the second NPC we will meet in the lands between, Melina plays a vital mechanical role without which it is actually impossible to beat the game. Having clearly been watching the tarnished arrive in the lands between, she sets her sights upon allying with the player, watching and testing them, a choice which is further prompted by Torrent's eager selection. And throughout the game, she provides dialogue, insights, directions, and ultimately sacrifices herself to burn the Erd Tree for the player. The one who walks alongside Flame shall one day meet the road of destined death. Goodbye. Despite travelling with the player for a huge portion of the game, who is she, really? Why does she guide the player to the Erd Tree? How does she know so much of the past, and what is the nature of her being a daughter to Queen Marika? We will answer these questions by examining her dialogue and informative context clues closely. This will not be a comprehensive review on every piece of dialogue, she states. Much of Melina's nature is easily discovered simply by playing the game and reading her dialogue in totality. However, we will examine her origins, purpose, and the driving motivator behind her actions, leading us to her actual true identity. Powers I can play the role of Maiden, turning rune fragments into strength. To aid you in your search for the Elden Ring, you need only take me with you, to the foot of the Erd Tree. Melina, firstly, has the power of gold and grace, she has not only the ability to grant leveling up to the player, but can summon healing Erd Trees, fire the Blade of Gold, and flips around like Tichy, Alecto, and the other Black Knives. She has the ability to move between Sights of Grace and the curiously telling ability to teleport us to the Round Table Hold, a place that is likely projected spiritually by or physically resides within the Erd Tree itself. This very, very closely ties her to the Erd Tree's power, but also to the new men lineage she descends from as a daughter of Marika. As a fighter, she has exceptional agility and dexterity with her dagger, and uses support and offensive incantations to assist the player, utilizing moves obviously gleaned from black knife fighting styles. Importantly, her self-projection is capable of manifesting in corporeal form when she so desires. This is used whenever she appears at Grace, as well as at the Erd Tree and Forge, although she says she is burned and bodiless. Melina also has a relation to and uses destined death, but we will cover this in a short bit. Lineage Marika of Daughter is her game file name. That speaks for itself, but let's continue. Me, I'm searching for my purpose given to me by my mother inside the Erd Tree long ago, for the reason that I yet live burned and bodiless. There is something for which I must apologize. I've acted the finger maiden, yet I can offer no guidance. I am no maiden. My purpose was long ago lost. So she is a daughter of Marika, and tellingly has the pink hair that indicates a rather obvious combination of red and platinum blonde. Marika. Radagon. This is crucial, as it indicates her time of birth as being after Radagon became Elden Lord, as well as being different chronologically than Michaela and Melania's twin birth. Whether Radagon was always the same as Marika, or became the same entity at some point, is irrelevant to Melina's birth. However, she seems not to have ever met Marika or Radagon directly, yet has a high emotional intelligence, which one wouldn't expect together in a self-raised orphan. Your seamster Bok. I see him crying from time to time. I think he misses his mother. He wants someone to tell him he's beautiful. Does being born of a mother mean one behaves in such a manner? Interestingly, this phrase could, though not conclusively, heavily imply Melina was not born naturally or physically. 
there is another example of asexual reproduction given to us. Millicent. Again we meet. I can only surmise our purposes are aligned, in which case allow me to explain myself. I am of millennia's blood, but in what capacity I know not. I could be sister, daughter, or an offshoot. Whatever the case, though, I am certain of a kinship between us. Millennia not only was not married, she had no stated lover or consort. This is not to say she never slept with anyone. GRM influenced the story after all. But that the game never gives us any information to that regard is a solid clue. Given the clear explanations and implications when other demigods had children, Godwin, Renala. Somehow Millicent and at least five other sisters, four in the questline fight, one blooming in the Halligtree Roots room next to the Grace. Millennia certainly has had no relations since her first bloom in Caelid, and the lands between is stated to have lost all interest in mutual procreation. How, then, does Millennia produce offspring? Well, I honestly have no clue or working theory as to how it mechanically works, outside of outer god shenanigans, or the power of being a vessel, which Marika is, and Millennia is well on her way to becoming, as an Empyrean. The point is that this phenomenon is observed in the game, a means of producing clones or offspring of an Empyrean female who has been claimed by an outer god. Due to Gowrie's dialogue and Millicent's combat prowess, WFD on Ashamshir, which I won't reference since I respect that you have an understanding of the law. We also know that these clones often possess identical skills and powers to the original. Duty and Goals Clearly, Melina has ties to the Inquisition, of which Rikard was the head. Near the Forbidden Land's grace, we find not only the official's attire, but the blade of calling, dagger given to one who set out on a journey to fulfill her duty long ago. The power of its former owner, the kindling maiden, is still apparent. The one who walks alongside flame shall one day meet the road of destined death. She is clearly referenced not only as the kindling maiden, but also in her quote that she gives upon immolating herself. Her purpose, at some point, given by Marika, was to burn in the forge. Marika indeed appears to have spared the fire giant expressly to ensure the flames would remain strong and unmolested in the eons that passed between their war and the events of Elden Ring, up to when these flames would be needed. The fire giant is a survivor of the war against the giants. Upon realizing the flames of their forge would never die, Queen Marika marked him with a curse. O oh, trifling giant, mayest thou tend thy flame for eternity. We know from the candle-tree shield, fire's deadly sin, and catch flame that the erd-tree was prophesied to burn, not by heretics, but by ardent, faithful believers in the Golden Order themselves. Melina states she cannot remember her purpose, yet steadily guides the player towards the erd-tree, and immediately there, seemingly just regains memories, and gives us our instructions to continue further to the mountaintops without skipping a beat. The erd-tree is close only a little further till the foot of the Erd-tree, and the accord is fulfilled. It takes me back. I was born at the foot of the Erd-tree, where Mother gave me my purpose. Though now everything is lost to me, I have to ascertain for myself the reason for which I live, burned and bodiless. Throughout our adventure, she constantly remembers Marika's exact words. Spoken echoes of Queen Marika linger here as well. Shall I share them with you? Unless she was physically present and has a photographic memory... She should not be able to recall with this kind of accuracy. However, we will soon see that she could not physically have been present for almost any of the quotes she recites for us. It's mechanical, it's calculated, almost emotionless when she gives us our next move. 
The only way to stand before the Elden Ring and become the Elden Lord is to pass the thorns. My purpose serves to aid in that very act, so I'd like you to undertake a new journey with me to the flame of ruin far above the clouds upon the snow mountaintops of the giants. The eye can set the Erd Tree aflame and guide you down the path to becoming Elden Lord. Melina is kind but unflinching and premeditated. She not only knows what must be done to save the lands between, but is steadfastly committed even to dying to ensure that it can be achieved. She assures us this is what she wants, but expresses no sorrow at its necessity, no hesitation even to the moment of sacrificing herself. Think not of the kindling. I shall see to that. All I ask of you is to make the journey to the snowy mountaintops of the giants far above the clouds. I know, I'm asking you to commit a cardinal sin, but it must be done to reach the path beyond, and that is the path I wish to travel. What is your mind? Melina's heart and the frenzied flame. Upon meeting Shabriri and hearing his exhortation to take up the frenzied flame, Melina delivers the first strong words she ever gives to us. There is something I'd like to say. My purpose was given to me by my mother, but now I act of my own volition. I have set my heart upon the world that I would have. Regardless of my mother's designs, I won't allow anyone to speak ill of that, not even you. While it seems she has acted upon the current action of burning the Erd Tree on her own, not only does she immediately realize her role is perfectly suited to accomplishing this, but she sternly counters Shabriri's manipulation of our sympathies for Melina. She tells us this is precisely what she wants, moving us to continue helping her move along towards becoming kindling. If we move towards the frenzied flame, as we well know, Melina shares a rare glimpse of emotion with an impassioned speech. If you intend to claim the frenzied flame, I ask that you cease. It is not to be meddled with. It is chaos, devouring life and thought unending. However ruined this world has become, however mired in torment and despair, life endures. Births continue. There is beauty in that, is there not? If you would become Lord, do not deny this notion. Please leave the frenzied flame alone. I ask you one more time. Please seek not the frenzied flame. As one who strives to become a Lord, deny not the lives, the new births of this world. Those who would are not fit to be called Lord. When the land they preside over is lifeless, please put a stop to this madness. The Lord of frenzied flame is no Lord at all, when the land they preside over is lifeless. Melina presents logic, but more importantly, she betrays her heart of genuine love and concern for the land. Even as a land of dung-eating omen, life would go on. Continuing the corrupt golden order with gold masks mending rune, life would continue. Even merely becoming Elden Lord and fixing absolutely nothing, life would continue. Melina cares not if you pick any of these other options, but she stops and pleads, begs you not to pursue the frenzy flame. While it's true anyone could care for the world's benefit, Melina is taking a bird's-eye view of the entire lands between, as if her duty and position puts her over it in some guardian-like way, showing her sacrifices are motivated out of an honest desire to see the entire world preserved and improved. This would only be a view she shares with Marika, Rani, and a benevolent player, tarnished Elden Lord, who see the lands between as a whole because they rule over it. If we choose the frenzied flame, Melina leaves us, saying her goodbyes to Torrent and informing us she will kill us should we destroy the world. This further reinforces that her heart holds nothing more dear than the preservation of the lands between and all of its people and creatures. 
Does this look like the face of mercy? If we go through with the ending, Melina appears, bedraggled, suddenly a brunette, no longer showing gold from her right eye, but with her claw mark faded and her sealed eye open. This gives us many clues, but first and foremost the loss of her hair colour and eye colour. With the frenzied flame actively burning the world, there is no more grace nor influence of the greater will. Melina herself loses her grace. This is vitally important, because as Marika's daughter, her pink hair should be natural, yes. But upon the loss of the greater will, the power of gold, and Radigan's death, her hair turns to a mute brown. This lets us know that Melina's pink hair, and thus Marika's golden hair, is unnatural, and in the earlier concept art we indeed see it is naturally brown. I've been beating around the bush up until now, but Melina is Marika. Marika's spirit, consciousness, DNA, passed on into a lesser avatar, freed from the prison of the Erd Tree and independent from the Elden Beast. When everything, everything is gone, Marika's hair simply returns to what it was, thousands of years ago, when she was but a mere Empyrean, a powerless upstart. Because it needs to be addressed, Melina cannot be the glow-eyed queen, because the G.Q. held the rune of death long before the Elden Beast came to the lands between, and Maliketh defeated the G.E.Q. in order to obtain it. Marika then, at the beginning of the Golden Order, plucked destined death from the Elden Ring and sealed it into Maliketh's black blade. This is concrete proof that the G.E.Q. was defeated before the Golden Order began. Since Godwin was the firstborn of Marika's children, it totally eliminates any possibility that Melina was born beforehand and then later became a threat as the G.E.Q., and it eliminates the idea that Melina was the G.E.Q. during Marika's reign because D.D. always remained with Maliketh until the Tarnished defeated him. What then is the deal with the Deathbird Talon and Melina's gloomy eyeball? Why is Melina bodiless? Destined Death and the Black Knives Blaring Blue made an excellent post here about fire where he broke down that black flame fire is the same as Maliketh's red and black fire, but missing the true strength of its ability to kill gods. With literally the same movements as the god-slaying greatsword, Maliketh's black blade has the original red colour of Destined Death's flames. This shows us that the red-black power of Destined Death, seen when we release the rune of death, when we use the blasphemous claw, and when we use the black blade incantation, all draw on the original power of the rune of death. When we die to it, as Blaring Blue said, we melt into the grave wax that forms the gargoyle weapons and patches up their missing limbs. This red-black flame is precisely the same visual effect as Marika's fan-dubbed Spear of Longinus. Marika always sees things through to the other side. Why is she speared? Many have suggested she fought Maliketh, or that the Elden Beast punished her with it. But if Maliketh fought her, he'd still be mad and trying to kill her like Blade, which Maliketh is not. And the Elden Beast has no connection to the Rune of Death, plucked from the ring. No, the spear is from the Rune of Death, stolen by Marika and Rani conspiring together. Marika, why wouldst thou gull me? Why shatter? And remembrance of Maliketh, the Black Blade, hewn into the Erd Tree. The power of its namesake can be unlocked by the finger reader. Alternatively, it can be used to gain a great bounty of runes. Maliketh was a shadow-bound beast given to his Empyrean. Marika's sole need of her shadow was a vessel to lock away destined death. Even then, she betrayed him. This shard of the rune of death is also the only way Melina would be able to deliver destined death to the Lord of Frenzy. 
Now Marika shattered the ring, yes, but the Black Knives assisted Rani in carrying out the Nobk as well as killing Godwin. Later, these same Black Knives attack Rani and try to stop her from killing her two fingers. Why the heel face turn? What this shows us is that Marika, a Newman herself, commanded the Black Knives. But when she was imprisoned after shattering the ring, the Golden Order and the two fingers took up their command. This could be achieved through someone lying about being Marika's proxy, through mere Black Knife allegiance to the Golden Order and Marika, or through the Black Knives scattering to whomever might take them in, after such a public act of blasphemy, such as God slaying. Subpoint. This is why a Black Knife hides in Marika's room, clearly allied to Morgat, but attacking any tarnished approaching the tree. Another hides in a cave, unaligned. Another guards Godwin's grave, Oriza, atoning for her sin by guarding his grave. Two have fled to Ordina, liturgical town, seeking refuge with other outcasts. Tichi is dead, Electo imprisoned eternally. Any others serve the two fingers, and we find three apiece slain by Blade and E.G. later. Coincidentally, when E.G. dies, he's consumed by the black flames of destined death. So why does Marika have it thrust through her? It's the missing shard from the black blade that was stolen. While Rani got a small chunk that was used to imbue the black knives, and that became the blasphemous claw, Marika held on to the rest. She used it to kill herself, but it wouldn't work entirely, not while the main chunk of the rune itself was still sealed away. When we release D.D. in Maliketh's boss room, that is the moment Marika dies forever. Her body remains, but her soul is gone. We just never meet the living body of Marika because of the thorns. In the age of fracture ending and truthfully every ending, we see her body unrepaired, head balanced back on her neck and the Elden Ring surge with power, but she does not return to life or consciousness. Furthermore, when we look at said head, a face only a mother could love, wait a minute. It's missing its left eye, same as Melina. Sorcery of the servants of death. Strike the ground with the staff triggering an explosion of ghost flame that burns the surrounding area. In the time when there was no Erd tree, death was burned in ghost flame. Death birds were the keepers of that fire. Death burned in ghost flame. We know the death birds, whose power glows from their left eye, rake the ashes of bodies burned out of their kilns with their pokers. These burials create spirit ashes, legendary ashen remains, used to summon the spirit of the clean-rot knight Finley, meaning that one burned with ghost flame is consumed and becomes a spirit ash, who will reincarnate no more. But isn't destined death different from ghost flame? One burns hot, one burns cold, one's red, one's blue. Yes, absolutely, but they're also not as different as you'd think. Ranker pot, craftable item prepared using a cracked pot, enchanted by the ancient death hex. In times of old, the dead were burned with ghost flame, and from those cinders arose vengeful spirits. We know death birds kept the fires of this ghost flame as emissaries of the twin birds' outer god, but that today very few receive this type of burial, as the Erd tree sucks up souls to feed itself. While the flames are categorically separate, there's a thematic relationship here that can't be ignored, as Melina is burned and bodiless. How would she have become burned, if not with one or both of these two flames? This is the final relationship between Melina and Marika that must be examined, whether burned by a spear of destined death or by ghost flame, Marika ensured she could give one final gift to her people, guide them one last time, unhindered by her body's imprisonment within the Erd Tree. With this gift of herself, Marika looks for the tarnished, seeking to guide them to Lendel, to sacrifice even her spirit as kindling to burn down the Erd Tree, 
and ultimately to rid the world of the parasiting greater will, and hopefully, possibly even to establish a new order under Princess Rani and the Dark Moon. I believe Marika burned with the shard of destined death she is impaled with, and so her daughter Melina is also burned. There's some relation to their left eye and being dead, but I'm not entirely positive what this relationship is yet. Maybe someone can help me out. What this leads us to, in summary, is that Melina has strong golden powers, has a mixture of her parents' hair colors, uses the fighting style of a new man assassin, experiences consistent resurgent memories of Marika's direct perspective and memories at key locations within Marika's churches and other important places, including Marika's own private bedroom, quite possibly did not experience physical birth or growing up, yet is called a daughter, just as Millicent is suggested to be, to millennia, is dead set on burning in the flame, not a single doubt in mind, cannot allow the frenzied flame to harm her people, is missing the same eye as Marika, is burned, which is what destined death does to anyone it kills, possesses a chunk of the rune of death which she will not hesitate to use on the lord of frenzy which was inside Marika's corpse, is almost certainly Marika's spirit reincarnated as a daughter. Therefore Marika has been by the tarnished side from the very beginning, from the very gates of Stormvile, all the way to the very peaks of the giants. She is encouraging us, guiding us, reassuring us, and pleading with us to heal her land and guide her people into a new age where some of her mistakes can be fixed. Through the tarnished, she is able to hope one last time.